Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to our show tonight. I'm your host, Doris Hansen, and we do hope that you enjoy what we have planned to show on Polygamy, What Love Is This, for tonight's show. But before we get started, we thought that we would mention that we continue to have a lot of questions uh, from people asking how Sean McCraney is. Is he doing okay? Is Heart of the Matter still being produced? So we thought that tonight we'd just answer your questions right here, and, and uh, for, especially for those who have not been informed, informed of the changes. Sean McCraney is doing great. He is still being productive for God in the niche that God has placed him. Heart of the Matter is now being carried nationwide on the NRB Network. You can find the NRB Network on DirecTV Channel 378 or Sky Angel Channel 181. And of course, you can check their listings for the showtimes. Or you can also watch Heart of the Matter live online at hotm.tv, Tuesdays at 8 p.m., and of course, that's Mountain Time. And his church is still going strong, and his church is, uh, still meets on Sundays. It's campus at 137 West 4640 South in Murray. That's a new location, but it c- continues to meet. And they meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for the milk. They're studying through the Gospel of John, and they're meeting at 2.30 p.m. for the meat, and they're studying through the book of Hebrews. And for more information, uh, you can email Sean at Sean at campus.com. That's Sean at campus.com. And when you type in campus, there's a, a, a dash between every one of the letters in campus. And we do praise God for every opportunity that he gives each of us to talk about the true gospel of Jesus Christ, especially in this culture. Tonight's show uh, warrants that we remind our viewer of our disclaimer. As we discuss issues on our show, we're dealing with both polygamist and Mormon doctrine. Polygamists use the same scriptures as the LDS use. They all believe and they all teach basically the same doctrine as the mainline Mormon church believes and teaches from its foundational early Mormon history. And tonight we're going to discuss the question, what is most important? to believe in what is truth or to believe in what makes you comfortable. And our guest for our discussion tonight is the pastor of Westlake Community Church in Eagle Mountain, Utah. I would like to introduce and welcome Pastor Mike Mitchell. Thank you. Hello, Mike. Hello. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. And thank you for all the work that you've done to to help put this uh, show together for tonight. Uh, So tell our viewers uh, about your church, where it's at, and when you meet. And, of course, I'm sure visitors are welcome. Sure. Always. Always. We meet in Eagle Mountain, as you said. We are with the Wesleyan Church. And uh, we have a website. It's westlakecommunitychurch.com that gives all the information on the church. And we're a small group. The church has only been there a few years, but mm-hmm. uh, very vibrant and, and eager to, to grow deeper and wider and out mm-hmm. into the community. So yeah, we're 
So you're you're in Eagle Mountain. So any of anyone living in that area can come and visit. And sure, Eagle Mountain and Saratoga okay. Springs. Uh, we're very central to, to both of those, right. and we meet at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings, okay. and then uh, 7 p.m. on Wednesday night for study. Good. Okay, great. And you've written a book. It's entitled um, "What We're Hearing You Say: What It's Like to Be an Evangelical Contemplating the LDS Church." Right. Tell our viewers a little bit about that and where they can find the book. What sure, it's write? available at the Utah Lighthouse Ministries. And uh, I uh, actually did not grow up going to church, um, and I uh, met a young woman when I was in college who had been raised LDS, and uh, I started going to church with her, and really had no knowledge of, of Joseph Smith or, or the Mormon church, the LDS church, or anything really at all. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I came uh, to the church as an investigator with a very open mind, and, and I can honestly say very unbiased, because I just, I just didn't know, I was very ignorant at that point. Um, but the more I studied, I began to be troubled by some of the things that I learned. And it was actually through that process that I came to be a Christian. And um, mm. the uh, young woman, who's now my wife, wow. uh, also, uh, we came down the same track together, so to speak, and we were baptized together. But uh, what we're hearing you say is what I titled the book because my, my hope was that uh, I could write it uh, in such a way that it's, it's not uh, contentious. It's not, you know, polemical where you know, we're just trying to show how, how bad the other side is or how, how right we are. But uh, the, the angle of the book is, is to say to people who are followers of Joseph Smith, um, this is what it's like for us as Christians to hear what you have to say. Mm -hmm. This is what it's, it's like for us to, to hear your claims. And uh, we have a certain set of expectations given our belief in the Bible and Christian history. And when we take those expectations and hear the Mormon claims, there's, there's a lot of contrast. Mm -hmm. So yeah, um, sure. that's, that's really the main focus of it. Okay, so they can pick up the book at uh, um, the Utah Lighthouse Bookstore. You can go to utlm.org. And um, Michael, you've, Mike, you've got your email there too. They, someone can uh, email you at mitchell435 at gmail.com. Is that correct? correct? That's right. Okay. And you can, of course, download it on uh, Amazon on the Kindle version as well. Uh-huh. Yeah, which is what I did. Which okay. is what I did. I enjoyed yeah. it, too. And before we begin our discussion, another preliminary here is there, the terminology differences in this culture is huge when you get into biblical concepts and, and words that are used. Uh, the, the, the definition of a word is different for the biblical definition than it is in this culture. Um, and tonight we're going to be referring a lot to the word salvation. So as a Christian word, we use the biblical, what the Bible means. With the Mormons, it means resurrection. Mm -hmm. So someone can be can have salvation and still be damned. But that's not true in the Christian sense. What is the Christian definition of salvation? Right. The Christian concept of salvation really is, is two-sided. We're saved in Christ from sin, death, and hell. And we're saved to a life of love and holiness and intimacy with God. Mm -hmm. But I think the key difference there is that when a Christian experiences salvation, in the salvation we have in Christ, we are fully reconciled with God. We're, giving the, the, we're given the closest level of, of intimacy with God possible in, in Christ. It's not, it's not the first of many steps, right. so to speak. Not, right. that, not that God doesn't work on us through the course of our life after we come to be Christians and certainly changes us in radical ways, but, but we, we think of salvation as, as a one-step uh, process where we surrender our, our lives and trust in Christ, and then uh, we're, we're given that, that place in the family. We, mm -hmm. don't, we don't have, have to you know, earn any, any further uh, right, in a way. It's done. Right, it's, right. It's done. And in the polygamy group, we were taught 
uh, I grew up believing salvation was being saved from an eternity in hell, the lake of fire, you know, hellfire or brimstone. So we weren't taught that salvation was resurrection. So we're dealing with more than one different uh, definition uh, tonight when we talk about this in this culture. Anyway, we don't pretend to know the hearts of others, but um, everyone who claims to be a Christian isn't a Christian. Being a Christian is defined by the Bible. It isn't defined by subjective issues. It's not defined by Webster's Dictionary, but the Bible defines what a Christian is. What are the essential uh, beliefs in being a Christian? Some of the essential doctrines that, that have always been believed from the very beginning, that are absolutely central in Scripture, central to the teachings of Jesus, are things like uh, the eternal nature of God, that, that God is the uncreated creator, that he has always been equal, constant in power and majesty and intelligence and love and beauty and so forth, and, and he, he was never less in any of those things in the past and never will be less or, or more so in the future. He, he's eternally constant. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that God is one, and that God is one, and yet he exists in this mysterious form of trinity. Uh, is definitely a fundamental of, of traditional Christian belief. Uh, also, of course, that, that Christ's death was for our sake, that his suffering and his crucifixion was in our place to take upon himself the penalty of our sin and our wrongdoings, and that his physical, historical resurrection is key, that uh, you can't be uh, an authentic Christian and think that Jesus' resurrection was just an appearance or a phantom uh, you know, ghost of some sort, but he physically, historically rose from the dead. And in rising from the dead, he uh, made it possible for us to come and, and defeat death as well mm -hmm. because of him. Uh, and that, that Jesus is, is coming back one day. He's He'll return back. to return. judge. Mm -hmm. and, and also, as, as we said just a minute ago, that, that the act of Jesus' suffering and resurrection is completely sufficient to reconcile us with God all the way. It's done. With him, it's exactly. done. Once and, and for all. There's nothing we have to do. So a, a, a question that we would have and, and people in this culture would have is, why can, why can Christians believe in variations of doctrine like baptism or speaking in tongues and, and other Christian um, doctrine, and yet we maintain to them, to our culture, that they can't believe in different doctrines like polygamy or eternal marriage or the pre-existence? What, what is the difference? Right. When we talk about things like baptism and uh, speaking in tongues, uh, issues like that, uh, we're talking about things that are recorded and taught in Scripture and things that, that are definitely a part of, of the Christian experience and have been since, since the beginning. Uh, so, so we're not talking about something alien to the teachings of Jesus. We're not talking about something uh, you know, contrary or, or outside the bounds of, of the Bible and Christianity. But when you talk about things such as... Uh, the Native Americans living in North America and eternal marriage, things like that. Well, then, then you're talking about something that's not only absent from the Bible. In, in the case of, let's say, the, the history of the Book of Mormon and the Native American presence in North America, uh, you know, we could debate about that. And we could say, well, is there evidence for that? You know, is, is that fact in itself contrary to what we know in Scripture? Well, it's, you know, we, we could go debate back and forth on that. But when you get to something like um, plural, marriage and, um, plural marriage and eternal marriage, you're talking about something that's, that's specifically, precisely against what something that Jesus taught. Mm -hmm. uh, when people within Christianity say that, let's say, you must be baptized in order to experience salvation, or if you don't speak in tongues, then you're, you don't have the Holy Spirit in you. Um, those are typically a minority voice, and I certainly would think they were wrong for, for thinking that. But what's going on there is that they're inflating one part of Christian doctrine and Christian experience 
and they're inflating it to a disproportionate size so they mm -hmm. obscure other, other points. But what's happening when someone, say, believes in eternal marriage is that they're taking something completely alien outside Christianity and trying to come and mesh the two together and impose it. And in fact, there's a scripture I wanted to read uh, in relation to that, speaking mm -hmm. of, of eternal marriage, uh, just to illustrate my point in saying that this is, is precisely contrary to what Jesus taught. Mm -hmm. It's in Luke chapter 20, and I'll read that now. It starts at verse uh, 34. And Jesus is arguing with the Jewish leaders there, uh, some of whom did not believe in, in the resurrection from the dead. And he says this, The people of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of taking part in that age and in the resurrection from the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage. And they can no longer die, for they are like the angels. They are God's children since they are children of the resurrection. So eternal marriage is distinctly not Christian. Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, it's opposed to what Jesus taught. So how could it be following Christ's teachings? If right. That's and we can't... We can't um, simply by our own will say, well, we choose to make this Christian. We, we choose to make this part of, of the teachings of Christ. Mm -hmm. um, you know, any more than we could say, um, we have a game where you dribble a ball on the court and shoot it through a hoop and call it baseball. Well, you, know, you can't, <laughs> yeah, you can't just decide things good, like that. Good point. Now, you brought up the American Indians. Um, can someone be a Christian if they embrace a false idea, like the, um, the, the, believing the American Indians have ancestors of the Book of Mormon? Is that a deciding factor? Yeah, that's an interesting question because you know I've heard people discuss that before in, in you know Christian versus Mormon uh, debates and, and such. And um, as I was saying earlier, okay, just the sheer fact that there was a presence of, of Jewish people in North America in times before Christ. You know, I don't know you know personally if that's something that would would be directly opposed to what we find in Scripture. I mean, that, that in itself, I don't know. But the real issue there, of course, you know, first of all, is all that's attached with that belief that mm -hmm. Joseph Smith is a prophet and the restoration of the church and the apostasy of, of traditional Christianity. And, of course, that all brings it into a, a completely different arena. But just with that, that sheer issue alone, I think the real, the real um, question there is, are, are you being obedient to God and in, in really seeking the truth? Are you really giving your full mind and heart to, to finding out and then living by what you know to be real and true? Mm. And the problem with you know, the claim that there were hundreds of thousands of people in a very elaborate civilization with sophisticated infrastructure uh, right here today where we've developed and, and you know, built housing developments and strip malls and so forth and so on and never found any evidence of that. Uh, I mean, that would show that, that we're not taking the concern of what's true and what's not very seriously. Mm -hmm. If we believe something for which there's, there's a complete void of evidence. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that, that certainly ties into our obedience to Christ because we always want to be people who, who put truth in, in, in the top priority slot. Um, so what are non-negotiable? Non we've talked about negotiables. I mean, you could, you, you, if you believe in, in the American Indians being part of the Book of Mormon, that's not a deciding factor if you are, are, are not saved. What are non-negotiable points of uh, Christian belief? What must one believe in order to be a Christian? Certainly you have to believe that, that Jesus is God. You, you can't believe and be anything uh, anywhere within the, the boundaries of Christianity and believe that, that Jesus was not divine, that he was just a really uh, great teacher or he, he was an ancient sage of some sort. Or Lucifer's brother. Right, or something like that. Um, 
you have to believe that he was the Son of God, the part of the Trinity. Uh, he is the, the great I Am, as right. he claims to be. Uh, you, can't, you can't diminish Jesus' identity. Uh, that's certainly central. And then when it comes to the way in which and the means that, that we're made right with God, uh, you can't look at, at Jesus' sacrifice and his resurrection and say that that's insufficient and say that, that uh, we need something in addition to that. Uh, that's really what the whole letter of the Colossians is about. Uh, Paul's letter to the Christians at Colossus is that they wanted to, to accept Christ and, and trust in him to an extent, but they also wanted to add on uh, more Jewish traditions and uh, religious rules and, and legalisms and so forth. And Paul says Christ is, is the fullness of God in, in bodily form. Right. Um, so so we, can't, we can't take Christ and then add to Christ. We have to have Christ as, as all. Certainly that's, that's uh, fundamental. Exactly who he is, exactly. Is it a viable question to ask in, in discussions like this, well, who is saved and who isn't saved? Is that a good question? Yeah, I don't think that's a good question. Uh, and I'll be honest, that, that question irritates me sometimes. <laughs> it really does. Um, and I want to be very careful in saying that because uh, salvation obviously is of the utmost importance. And Jesus has a lot to say about hell. And we should never you know, turn a blind eye to that. Uh, but I think far too often uh, Christians get hung up on, on making a chart and, and putting in two columns of the saved and unsaved and presuming to know, you know who, who's in which column. Yeah. And only God is a judge. You know, only God is a judge. Um, and you know, there, there are so many factors in each one of us that only God knows, uh, so, so we can't presume to know, you know what people's eternal destiny is going to be. I, I know I've spent many hours uh, talking with uh, Mormon missionaries and I've had that question a lot. And a lot of times it comes in the beginning of the discussion. They'll say, well, do you believe I'm going to hell? And, and my response is, Look, I, I don't know. I can't say that. I'm not God. God is your judge. I'm the witness. You know? uh, but what I can say is the truth is important. And, and uh, you know, aside from the fact of, of whether or not we know who's in the saved and, and the unsaved column, uh, doesn't the truth matter? I mean, doesn't yeah. it matter more than anything else? Yeah. And we, we need to focus on that and just, just give ourselves to, to really discerning what's true and living by that uh, and not just get, get hung up on, well, what's going to happen to me in the end? Let's just pursue what's true and right and good and, and, and go that way. But we do know, because the Bible teaches us the essential doctrines of belief, and if someone says, I don't believe that, then we can say, well, you can't be a Christian. Sure. I mean, even in Abraham, uh, Genesis 15, 6, Abraham believed God and he counted it to him for righteousness. So belief is extremely important. Absolutely. What, Absolutely. And, what we do or don't believe. I think, I think sometimes there's a lack of um, depth in our understanding of the word belief. Yeah. Uh, in, in the original language, the, the same word can be translated from uh, trust or to trust. And I think at the heart of that, when, when Jesus says, you know, this is eternal life, that you believe in him, that... That, that's a trust, and trust is a personal interaction. Mm -hmm. it's, it's to look at the other person and say, I, I fully, fully know that you are who you say you are, and, and I put myself in your hands because I trust you. Mm -hmm. I believe in you. I trust in your character. I believe that you're good. And, and that's what we have to have at the bottom of our heart. I mean, I would say that's what, what it means to be a Christian is that you look at Christ and you say, I trust you. I trust what you did for me. I believe in who you are and who you claim to be. And uh, that's trusting him exclusively. So you're not spreading your trust out. I trust my church and I trust my works and I trust Jesus and I, I trust the temple and I trust polygamy. Uh, it's him alone. It, the trust absolutely. is exclusively Jesus and nothing else. Absolutely. 
Yeah, you know, I, I think sometimes I guess a lot of Christians do this, that, you know, you have these imaginary conversations uh, in, in your head uh, with, uh, you know, picturing Jesus speaking to somebody. And, and I think of this in light of uh, things like the letter to the Colossians and, and other parts of Scripture and the letter to the Galatians. You know, I picture someone who's living a very legalistic life and, and they want to, to have faith in Jesus. They don't want to reject Him. They, they want to keep Him uh, in the center. But they also want, want to do this and that. And they want to have these, these laws and rules to keep. And, and, and they think that by that, you know, they're, they're somehow going to be more right or higher up the ladder in God's eyes. Mm -hmm. And I just picture Jesus looking at somebody like that and saying, why am I not enough for you? Yeah. Uh, why am I not enough for wow, you? Wow, I like that. Why, why is this not, why is all the suffering that I endured and my, my resurrecting from the dead, why is that not sufficient for you? And Christianity isn't, isn't a list of do's and don'ts. No, it's not. It isn't. It, that's, uh, now, shouldn't the real question be, though, when you look at it, uh, around which all of our theological discussions would be centered is, what's true about God? Absolutely. Absolutely, and and that's I find that troubling, and, and you know I could say I'm guilty of that myself at, at times, but so often, you know, and probably many of us have had the same experience. You'll get in a conversation about religious beliefs, about what you believe about God, or sometimes even just about moral issues and ethical dilemmas and things like that, and you'll hear people say, "Well, I was raised to believe this," mm -hmm. or they'll say, uh, "Well, my mom always taught me this," or "I grew up in an area where everybody I knew." always saw it this way. And what I want to say when I hear that is, I understand, but what does that tell me about whether or not it's true? Because the fact that I was taught it growing up or that you were taught it growing up, it doesn't indicate That's that it was irrelevant. necessarily true, right? And the question is, as you said, what, what is actually true? And, and that has to be considered separately from a lot of the things that we usually you know, consider it with. Uh-huh. Um, and of course, People's ideas of God, it, it seems seem to be um, so subjective. Right. You know, well, I've, I think God's a granddaddy, and, and I was growing up, I was raised to believe that he was a, a vicious ogre chasing after me with his heavenly uh, beating stick to get me any time. So our ideas of God are different, and we have to get into the Bible to discover who he is. Absolutely. Who he really is. And we have good reason. We don't, we don't just... Um, go to the Bible and, and say, well, this is the Bible. And again, everyone's always told me that this is Scripture and this is the Word of God, uh, so it must be, so I'm going to read it and accept it. We, we have good reason to understand that, that the Bible is authoritative and that, mm -hmm. that it, the things that it records actually happen mm -hmm. and that it speaks with the authority of God. We, Absolutely. We don't, we don't just take that you know, because it's told to us. There's a command from Jesus that, I, that probably will take up the rest of our discussion because it's so important. Uh, to love God with all of our minds. Uh, what scripture is that? And that's going to take us into discussion of critical thinking, uh, sure. which this culture does not do. I, very, I definitely agree about that. That's a difficult um, issue in this culture. The scripture is in Matthew chapter 22 and starts in uh, 37, where again someone asks, asks Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And he responds this way, he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Okay, loving God with all of our mind. Yeah, you know, I think that's probably one of the aspects of Jesus' statement there that's most neglected among a lot of Christians. I think so too. Uh, 
We, we kind of breeze over that one sometimes. Uh, among a lot of people, um, I, hear, I hear it quoted not just with Christians, but with other religious groups as well. But what does it mean to love God with all your mind? I think it touches on what I said just a minute ago, that it means that you seek to, to know the truth about who God is, about what God did, about how He's revealed Himself, and what He wants from us and what He expects of us, that we seek to learn and know as much as we can possibly know about that. And, and we do it in such a way, again, that, that we're seeking to know what's really true, not what's compatible with the way we've always been taught, or what best helps us to fit into our culture, or what uh, makes things most comfortable for, comfortable for, for us, or factor. exactly the comfort factor, or uh, what will prevent the greatest pain. You know, what, what can I believe so that I can stay within these boundaries? Because if ever I go outside these boundaries, it's going to be very, very painful. and I'm going to lose relationships. Those things, as difficult as that is, and we shouldn't make light of how difficult that really is. Oh, certainly it's difficult. It is. But yeah. as difficult as that is, those things have to be put, you know, you might say in a separate compartment, and we just have to focus on what's true. I think that is central to, to worshiping God with, with all of our minds. And so, would you consider that critical thinking is an expression of loving God with all our mind then? Absolutely. And critical thinking is what? What is critical thinking? You know, I think a lot of people get, get tripped up with that because the word critical is usually used in a negative sense. And, and we you know, tell our teenagers not to be too critical and, and, and so forth. But critical thinking simply means making assessments. It means, it means not taking for granted the truth claims that are made to you but you, you question them and you assess them and you, you examine. Uh, you, might, you might even use those two words synonymously. You can examine something or you can think critically about it. Uh -huh. uh, and it means that you don't just accept that something be true, again, because it's said by someone who seems confident or because they've been given a position of authority, but you actually examine and you, you don't just think about the truth, say, the truth claim itself, but you consider the reasons and the evidence on which it's based. And, and, kind you know. of like critique, if you want to critique right. something. Exactly. So it's not a, having a critical attitude of, uh, of everything, but it's actually critiquing something to discover that it's right or wrong. Absolutely. And I think and that's, that's one of the um, hallmarks of, of someone who is seeking to mislead people when they try to, to stop them from thinking critically, when they try to forbid mm -hmm. them from asking questions and, and they get the answer, people get the answer that many of us got as children, you know, because I said so, uh, that's why you can't do this, or because, because I said so, that's why this is true. Uh, when, when someone uh, doesn't want people to ask questions and they want to, others to accept their statements just on the basis of their asserted authority, uh, that is a definite sign that that person is not a legitimate Christian teacher. And so there are safeguards built into this culture against critical thinking, isn't there? there I know there was with my own self. We couldn't cre think critically or critique Definitely. our religion when I was growing up. Definitely. In fact, there's a scripture I wanted to read also regarding that. Uh -huh. um, it's in Acts chapter 17. Read that. And it's a description of, of the Christians at the city of Berea. And Paul is on his, his missionary journeys there. And in Acts 17, he describes the, the Berean Christians like this. He says in Acts 17, 11, it says, Now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. So they checked it out. And Definitely. the scriptures means the Bible. It means the biblical scriptures. It doesn't mean somebody else's writings. Definitely. Yeah, and, and specifically, they would be talking about the Old Testament at that point, mm -hmm. what we call the Old Testament. Right. But I think that's really pointed when we talk about the culture of Utah 
and the history of, of Mormonism because if ever there was someone about whom we could say this person speaks with the authority of God, this person is sent as an apostle directly from God and he was knocked to the ground in this miraculous vision and he saw Christ, it would be the Apostle Paul. Mm -hmm. And yet the Bereans are commended because they didn't just accept what he said, but they went to see if what he said was true. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, th I think that really sets a precedent for, for how Christians should be. That's what we should do, check it all out, everything, what everybody says. Definitely. And it's, it's interesting to me too that this, this process of, I know in, in you relaying some of your experience growing up in, in a polygamous uh, community, that you're not allowed to question, you're not allowed to, to, to mm -hmm. think and to, to criticize or, or make critiques of, of what, you, what you hear. That, that whole process, that way of, of um, handling people is not unique to Mormonism and it's not unique even to religion. Right. If you look at uh, the nation of North Korea today, it works the same way. You know, mm -hmm. Kim Jong-un, the, the leader there, that's how he works. He, he's right just by virtue of who he is. Yeah. And you can't question, you can't <laughs> ask. And, and to ask a question is seen as an irreverent, sinful thing. Uh, and that's, that's the epitome of, of someone who's a tyrant, someone mm. who, who is trying to manipulate and control people when they, mm. when they don't want others to ask questions. Absolute controlling. Well, we are halfway through our program tonight, and so we need to take a break. We need to open up our phone lines, and we can, can still continue our discussion, but we would like to invite you to, uh, to call in, ask your questions, or be involved in the conversation about what we're talking about. Um, our telephone number, <coughs> excuse me, is 801-973-TV20, 801-973-8820. Please turn your volume down when we get you on the line. And before we go to our uh, clip, our normal halftime or uh, halfway through clip, uh, I'd like to make mention that the ex-Mormon Files is going to be returning to TV20 on Friday, May 3rd. That's two weeks from tomorrow night. And starting on that night... On May 3rd, the half-hour program will be hosted still by Bishop Earl Erskine, and it will be airing on Friday nights at 8 p.m. right here on KTMW uh, TV 20. You can go uh, to his website, exmormonfiles.com, for more information. That's exmormonfiles.com, and that's with an E before X. And right now, we do have a new clip that we want to share with you. I sang that song for more than 60 years, a song of praise to Joseph Smith, the prophet of the Restoration and founder of the LDS Church, the church I was born into, the church I loved with all my heart and taught my children to believe in, the church I served as a bishop for five years. I knew the church was true. I knew Joseph Smith was a prophet. I was a faithful Latter-day Saint. My life has been built on certain truths, but wishing doesn't change the truth. I didn't start out challenging my belief in the church. Believe me, this new look at things has been gut-wrenching. I know there are those of you out there watching who are in as much turmoil as I was. But I hope that God will lead you to the truth Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. When I finally learned the truth about the real history and doctrines of Mormonism, I realized that I was following the gospel of Joseph Smith, and not the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
I have come to learn that many others have made a similar journey out of the bondage of religion and into an authentic relationship with Jesus. And that's what this show is all about. Courageous people who want to share their story, hoping that you, the viewer, will discover the same new life in Jesus. So if you're a Latter-day Saint who is struggling with questions or seeking a genuine encounter with the Savior, we invite you to join us. We have a joyful message that we want to share with you. So it's going to be exciting to have Bishop Earl back and, and um, every uh, Friday night starting May 3rd he will be showing different interviews with these people and we certainly have missed his show. Uh, we are opening the telephone lines now. We have some calls coming in, 801-973-TV20. We'd love to hear from you as we're talking with Pastor uh, Mike Mitchell from um, Westlake Church in Eagle, Eagle Mountain. Mountain. and. Um, we were having great discussion about the, the essential doctrines to be a Christian. Uh, you cannot believe false doctrine and claim to be a Christian, at least accurately. And critical thinking is so important uh, in this culture, which means you, you critique the things that you're learning to make sure that you are learning truth. Are, are you more comfortable? Uh, are you more interested in your comfort of what you believe, or are you more interested in the truth? of what you believe. And uh, we've had a great discussion so far, and I really do thank you for what uh, your input on this. We do have some calls now. Uh, first of all, we have a call from Roland in Provo. Hello, Roland. Turn your TV volume down, Roland. Uh, can you hear me? Turn your volume down, sir. Can you hear me? Turn your volume down, Roland. Can you hear me? Turn your volume down on your TV. We'll have to go to the next call. Yeah, now. Uh, is your volume down? I have. I have turned it down. Turn your volume down or we won't be able to talk. <laughs> Turn your volume down, sir. Okay. I'm down. Okay. What's your question? Well, no question. I just want to make a comment to the good pastor's quotation on Matthew 22. What he should have continued um, reading was <coughs> when, uh, when Jesus said, that uh, quoted, uh, uh, "Thou shalt love the God, Lord thy God," and then, and then at, at the end he says, "And, the, and love thy neighbor as thyself." On these two hang all the prophets. So it is not only loving God; it is it is doing the things of God. Then Doris said about, but to love God, yes, that's correct. But he also said, "If you love me, keep my commandments." So we we forget sometimes. What we're doing with, we're believing in is more important sometimes than what we say we believe in. Thank you very much. Thank you, Roland, for your comments. Yeah, I think that was well said. Mm -hmm. and, and certainly the, the next, uh, you know, as Jesus emphasizes, the next part of that is very important, that we love our neighbor as ourself. And mm -hmm. uh, if you're not loving your neighbor as yourself, then that's proof that you're not really loving Christ. Absolutely. That's true. Yeah. But the greatest commandment is loving God. That's the greatest. Right. And the next one is like it. So it is. And if, and if we love God, we will love our neighbor. That's, Definitely. That's the way it works. So that is a good call. Thank you, Roland. Line three, we have Pauline calling from Magna. Hello, Pauline. Hi. Uh, yes. You're on the air. Uh, 
Yeah, I've, I've been watching you for two or three months. My daughter called me and turned me on to your show, which I enjoy very, very much. Um, there was something that you said two or three months ago that kind of bothers me, uh, that we are not with our husbands or our wives when we pass away. Uh, I really think that's not true. I just lost my husband, and he he came back to me the other night, and so is my father, my sisters and Emma. And I, I do believe that you're with your loved ones when you pass away. I really do. Um, yeah, I had a thought about that. Um, one of my favorite authors is C.S. Lewis. And he makes a point about that, that uh, type of, of problem where we, we think about uh, heaven and, and we think about things like what Jesus says that we're not going to be married. And because of our relationships with our spouses, is one of the greatest things that we know here. Uh, it's so hard for us to conceive that, you know, to be in heaven without that. And uh, Lewis makes the analogy of barnacles. And he says if you, if you think of like a cartoon, let's say, where there are two barnacles attached to a dock post underwater as, as they always have to be. And, and one is talking to the other, and one is more wise than, than the other. And, and the wise barnacle begins to tell the young barnacle about these creatures called humans. And he says, well, what are they like? Are they real? And he says, yes, they're real. And the, the young barnacle says, well, do they have shells? Are they hard on the outside? And he says, no, they don't have shells. And he says, well, how far underwater do they live? And he says, they don't really live underwater. He says, really, what are they attached to? dock post or boats and he says no they don't really attach to anything so the younger barnacle thinks that humans aren't real because those are the only things within his his frame of experience mm -hmm. and and to think of something else that that didn't involve that he just couldn't couldn't conceive and i, I think that that our, our eternity in god's presence will is a lot like that because yeah, i think so too it's so far beyond what what you know we we've even, experienced already right. but the one thing we know that it is going to be good it's, it's going, going to be, be better than we yeah. can ever imagine. And also, Pauline, I'd like to mention that in the context of when I make mention like that, um, I, I don't say that we won't be with our uh, loved ones in heaven. If we go to heaven and our loved ones went to heaven, we will see them. We will know them. We just won't be married. There's not going to be marriage in heaven. That's what Jesus said. So I hope that... Well, I, I was just concerned because it's, you know, also so you cleave unto your wife and not thy neighbor. And so to me, it seems like that if you, if you cleave unto your wife, when you go there, then you would be still be your, your family. I mean, uh, I, I believe so much in God. I can't even tell you how much I believe in it, especially since I've had four deaths in my family this year. Well, Pauline, may I suggest that, that you do what the, the, our pastor has talked about tonight? And loving God with all your mind means that you find out exactly what he says on these issues. And if he says, if he, if he said there's not going to be marriage in heaven, you have to believe him. And that's what Jesus said. Well, uh, I, I do enjoy your show, and I, I just wanted to clear that up because I just lost my husband and my sister, and that all just together, and... And that has gave me the strength to do what I need to do. And I do enjoy your show very much. Thank you very much for calling. <clears throat> Bye. Thank you. Oh, I've got, <coughs> got a dryness in my throat. Excuse me. Okay, line two, we have Daryl calling. Hello, Daryl. Yes. Yes, you're on the air. Yes, um, I am a radio producer for uh, KTALK, 630 AM radio. 
for Mills Crenshaw show, Drive Time Live, and I'd like to give you a invite to come on the show. I want to do that publicly uh, so that uh, uh, we can hear your response. We talk about Mormonism all the time, and uh, I just want to see if you'd be interested in and uh, take a part in a discussion uh, with uh, Mills Crenshaw, Martin Tanner, uh, and Van Hale and myself uh, to talk about uh, Mormon issues and uh, even uh, pro and con issues uh, are you, the church. Are you and then asking, I got a follow-up question. Are you asking for my uh, answer or for our guest's answer? Um, are you inviting me, or are you inviting our guest? Uh, this would be like a live call-in show on, on no, the radio. No, I'm asking you. You're 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 offering an invitation to come on your radio show. Are you asking? Are you inviting me to come on the show, or are you inviting Mr. Mitchell to come on your show? I'm, I'm inviting you. Oh, as, I see. As the host of okay. this show that you do on TV to come on the show. Okay, I, I'm not going to give you an answer. I haven't listened to your show. I'd have to listen to it before I would agree to come on. I also okay, have, so uh, then I will call back and get uh, your email and send you links to the radio blog so you can get an idea of what uh, the show is all about. Mormonism is not the only thing that is discussed there. We cover all kinds of different topics. But, uh, Sir, so, why, don't, uh, why don't you leave your... To, uh, shows where we talk about Mormonism. Why don't you? Now, the question I have is: Are you familiar? How familiar are you with historic Christianity? Have you done a lot of studies in those, that area? I've done quite a bit of study of it. In fact, in the end of May, we're going to be doing a show on the Nicaea Creed because we get so many critic, critical comments about that, uh, which would be a very interesting show for you to watch. Along with. Uh, Talking about the, the creed, the Nicene Creed, are, are you going to talk about what the early Christian fathers also talked about, and that's uh, deification? Are you familiar with that? Well, we'll be talking. Early term. We'll be talking about quite a, quite a few things like that, but we don't believe in we w Christians believe in what's written in the Bible. And that is what that is our doctrine is what's written in the Bible, not what some church father did or wrote about. If it doesn't match up with what the Bible says, we don't follow it. It's that simple. Do you have anything um, that you want to say the, about the, that? The Nicene Creed is not in, in the, the Bible. The the wording of the creed is even by well, the fathers. You said it's not in the scriptures, then I guess you don't go along with the Nicene what? Creed. No, 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 that's not what I said. The Nicene Creed came together just to affirm what biblical doctrine is and what it isn't. That's what the Nicene Creed basically is. Would you like to answer to that? I'm sure you have uh, some. Just, just for clarification, you did say the deity of Christ, the question of that? Deification. No, I said the, the, uh, the creed, the, right. uh, the Nicene Creed is not in the Bible. Uh, the homoousius phrasing that uh, is not it was not found in the scriptures, and those who produced the creed, the fathers that produced the creed, admitted that, and they still were uh, uh, put under the, uh, the, the decree of Constantine to agree on that. To and that seems to be what a lot of Christians say you have to believe in in order to be a Christian is uh, the Nicene Creed. I think yeah, the the best answer to that is that. 
um, there, there's some argument that goes on about the legitimacy of the Council of Nicaea because uh, Constantine was his his question his, excuse me his conversion was questionable and and they don't know if it was just for political expediency that he converted to become a Christian and then uh, he ruled over the council and so forth but but really I think that's beside the point because when you study the the Nicene Creed and the Apostles Creed uh, they're completely consistent with what we know in Scripture there's there's nothing there that's this contrary or or uh, you know alien to to what we have in, in the Bible. Uh, and I also think that there's quite a bit of um, confusion and, and um, uh, you know, mis misunderstanding and, and maybe even uh, just intentional false belief that really was spurred on a lot several years ago with the Da Vinci Code novel. Mm -hmm. uh, and the idea was that you had uh, a multitude of, of equally valid views on Christianity and they were all at odds with each other. And the, ones, the one group that, that basically proposed what we all believe today and what we call traditional Christianity and orthodoxy was the group that had the most political power and the most connections with the officials in power and so forth. So, so that's, that's the particular view that won out, but it wasn't really any more, any better substantiated than the others. Um, that's, that's really the premise of the Da Vinci Code in large part, and, and that's simply, simply false. It mm -hmm. doesn't square with the historical data. That's, that's that may true. not be exactly what the caller is, is onto, but I think that's related. Uh -huh. uh, but but it, even like, like Dora said, um, we look at the ancient creeds and those are tremendously valuable. Uh, and they were written for for very good purpose, but even still, there's not really an issue. If we were to find out, let's say through some some uh, historical archaeological discovery, that uh, you know the Nicene Creed was written under false pretenses or it was politically influenced or whatever else, uh, that really wouldn't shake our Christian faith because again, everything there is, is consistent with what we read. It's in scripture. what's the Bible is our right. is, is our final. So Daryl, anyway, would you leave your your telephone number with the operator and I can give you a call after the show. Or you can email me tv at about polygamy dot com for about the, okay, about I, the radio I, I, show. Uh, to your, uh, uh, yes, I will, and uh, I appreciate the opportunity to uh, talk with you today. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for calling. Okay, Clayton is calling from St. George. Hello, Clayton. Yes. Yes, you're on the air. Okay. Um, does Heavenly Father have a wife? Where did he get her from? No, he doesn't have a wife. Does he have children? Mm, he does not have spirit children, no. Does Heavenly Father have children? No. No, he and doesn't. Why is he, then who doesn't he have children? He had Jesus was his child. Yeah, this is, this is a, a key point. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. He's not Heavenly Father. We call him Father. That right. means we are his child. I'm, I'm really glad that you brought that up because th this points out one of the most basic distinction in, in Christian belief and, and Mormon belief, and that's the, the inherent difference between uh, the, the nature of God and the nature of people. Uh, Jesus is God's only Son. In fact, uh, in, in that verse where it says that God gave His only begotten Son, that means that he, He's the one Son that's of like nature because mm -hmm. uh, you know, like things give birth to like things. Right. So, so Jesus and the Father are of the same substance and, and essence. We are God's creations. Uh, we are God's creations that, that He created out of dust. And then uh, in this incredibly, uh, unthinkably uh, powerful love, He actually gives us the ability to become His sons uh, through adoption. Adoption. But, but there's a distinction in Christian thought, a very important one, that, that people, human beings, are not of the same inherent stock as God Almighty. Right. Uh, he is the only uncreated being. 
so uh, we, yes, we call God our Father, and He, he says that we are His children. Uh, and you know, this passage in First John of how great is the love lavished on us that we should be called children of God. But, but that does not mean that there's no distinction in, in our nature, um, and, and it certainly doesn't, doesn't follow that we're going to progress one day and, and become, become God. And again, we're called sons of God because we've been adopted into His family. Right. We've been adopted as a child of God. But God, when, they, when, when the word Father is used uh, in, in regards to Jesus being the Son, that He's the Father, that it means that He's the source. It doesn't mean that He had sexual uh, contact to bring Jesus to, into being. That's not what Heavenly Father means. Well, I have another question. What about Matthew chapter 16, verses 18 to 20? Would you please read that? Matthew 16. Matthew chapter 16, verses 18 to 20. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Do you think that's... 18 through 20. Chapter 16. That's Mark. Blessed are you, son of, uh, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Uh, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be found in heaven, bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Binding and loosing of what? Uh, you know, it, it doesn't say. But if, if we propose to know, then we would have to get that knowledge from another source outside Scripture. And if we propose to get our knowledge of that, of what is bound and what's not, uh, from uh, Joseph Smith or, or from other Mormon leaders, then we open up a, a really, really big can of worms, so to speak, because there are so many other problems with, with questions of their reliability. So, so at the end of the day, I think we have to say that uh, we'll have to search and, and find out what he means. But, um, you know, because we, we don't know specifically what that refers to, doesn't mean that it, it must refer to, to, to um, you know, the Mormon view. Right. Exactly. Does that answer your question? <clears throat> yeah, I don't completely agree with it. All right, let's look at another scripture. The last two verses in the Old Testament. Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Malachi 4, verses 5 and 6. <coughs> <coughs> Uh, See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of their children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. And, of course, Jesus um, specifically identifies John the Baptist as the Elijah that was to come in, in Matthew chapter 11, I, I think it is. In the spirit and power of Elijah. Mm -hmm. Right. And then... Um, I'd like to have that reference. Matthew chapter 11, where... Has Elijah returned? Yes, Elijah returned in the latter days, in 1836. How do you know that? Yeah. From the records in, that were given. W which records? The Doctrine and Covenants. Are, are those reliable? Wait, I didn't hear your question. Are, are, do you have good reason to believe that the Doctrine and Covenants are a reliable source? Yes. Uh, 
the Bible tells us that we are not to add or take away from God's Word, and the Doctrine and Covenants has done that. Joseph Smith has come up with many, many, many revelations which he put in the Doctrine and Covenants that is contradictory to God's Word. Therefore, we cannot trust what he said in the Doctrine and Covenants because it contradicts the Bible. I like to add one thing also. Deuteronomy chapter we can't do any more scriptures, four. sir. We can't do any more scriptures. We're getting toward the end, but you have a... I would like to add to that, and again, I don't mean to, I don't mean to say this in, in a mean spirit, but um, again, as someone coming from outside to, to just to evaluate the, the claims of Joseph Smith and the church, um, what we do know for a fact is that Joseph Smith produced the book of Abraham and proposed that to be scripture revealed from God, and that's proven to be a fraud. Mm -hmm. that we know that the book of Abraham was not what Joseph Smith claimed that it was. True. So if that's true about one piece of scripture that Joseph Smith uh, produced, uh, how can we have confidence in the other pieces of scripture that he produced? Good point. That's a very good okay, point. Deuteronomy chapter 2 verse 4 says that anything added after that is false. Could you please tear out the rest of your Bible? Well, it doesn't say anything added after that. That's not the words that it says. It says we're not supposed to add to God's word. The entire Bible is God's word. Everything after Deuteronomy chapter 2 is, is, has been added to it. So no, God has a right to add to his own word. The Bible means nothing. Um, well, that, this could be a long, drawn-out conversation okay. and an argument. We're not going to do that. That's, that's really off our topic anyway. But we do appreciate your call, Clayton. And I, we, I do suggest that you take our, our guests' uh, advice and really search and do some search. And it's good that you've asked these questions. But don't just hear them to hear what you want to hear. Hear them to find the truth that God has to tell you in the Bible. And thank you again for calling. Um, we are getting close to the end, but I, I want to get one more scripture in really quickly, if we can, that you wanted to mention in 1 John 4, 1, not to believe every spirit, right? but test the spirits. to make. How do you test the spirits? You know, I, I think of uh, John Wesley had uh, a four-point uh, answer to that question uh, in, in discerning truth. And when a truth claim is, is made to you, how do you, how do you wrestle with that and by what standard do you determine uh, it, it's it's uh, you know validity, and he said uh, we should always check it with scripture. We should check it with experience, with our own personal experiences. Do we know from from our lives and from what we've experienced that this rings true? We should check it with uh, the tradition of of the church. We should look back through the the centuries of Christian history, and and ask ourselves: Are we completely out of line? with what our brothers and sisters in the past have always believed? Mm -hmm. Is this a completely unique or new view? And, and also with, with sound reasoning. Is this something that's a, just a blatant, uh, you know, logical contradiction? Is it something that, that really results in some sort of absurdity or nonsense? Mm -hmm. But I think those four points are really great. Uh, scripture, tradition of, of, of the church, experience, and, and reason. Good points. And uh, Jesus in Revelation 2.2 commended the Ephesians for testing the apostles and finding out that they were false. And, and Jesus was, was happy with those people because they did test and find out. We're at the end of the show. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. your coming. And we learned a lot from Pastor Mike here. You know, people often choose their religious beliefs based on the culture on which they're born and raised, and that happens here. And they believe it was good enough for their folks, for their parents or grandparents.
because it is certainly good enough for them. But rarely do people with that mindset realize the importance of choosing their beliefs on the basis of what's true rather than on what's familiar and what's comfortable. And despite facts that contradict doctrine, this culture, LDS as well as the fundamentalists, they hang on to what they've been taught by their church leaders rather than admit that they could be in error and then do their own research on their own uh, without the blinders of their religious heritage. Consider this, if biblical Christianity is correct, then Mormonism cannot be correct. And that would mean that you cannot make it into heaven by following the doctrines of the Mormon religion, whether it's polygamy or the mother church. It's hard to believe that so many people are so willing to risk their eternity based on feelings and emotions, blind, uh, based on blind faith on, and, and all of that mixed with fear and guilt. They have a total disregard for the facts. Jesus warned the people of the blindness of their leaders, and he had no patience with them. He said in Matthew 15, 14, let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. Following teachers of false doctrine, refusing to seek the truth outside of your own comfort zone, refusing to obey God by not researching for provable facts to back up your religious beliefs is equal to buying a ticket um, for a one-way trip on the Titanic and discovering too late that it's too late. So before it is too late, get out of your comfort zone and find the truth. Good night. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.